Uh, if you have your Bibles, I invite you uh, to turn with me to John uh, chapter 10, continue our uh, journey through the Gospel of John. Uh, we covered all of chapter 9 last week, and we'll be starting uh, chapter 10 this week and looking at the first uh, 21 verses. And as you're turning, I want you to think about a name that you have been called in your life. There's some chuckles out there. You know, maybe a nickname that somebody ha- has given to you. I like this new nickname that people have started using for me. You know, PT, Pastor Trent, uh, or, or, or PTD, Pastor Trent Dry. You know, I really kind of like that. It, it sticks on me. As a youth pastor for many, many years. Now, you're going to think this is bad. I actually thought this was enduring. And they may have been making fun of me, but it actually kind of, you know, uh, several of our favorite students of the past labeled me the fat man, right? And I think I've told you all about that before. There are videos out there of a friend of mine who was labeled Captain Mantastic and the fat man. And so we have videos of him spearing me into lakes and on inflatables. And, you know, nicknames are cool. Nicknames are important. Uh, my, one of my favorite nicknames was I was part of the Fabulous Five. Uh, we were five big, strong offensive linemen. And we were the fabulous five of the Tigers. You know, when people saw us coming, they're like, look, there's the Tigers. That's the football team we played for. You know, go Clemson, right? That's right. TJ just said something, and I don't know what he said. The, uh, so we were the Tigers, and Tigers are fierce. We're methodical. We attack. When we hit you, you know it for weeks. You know, we're, 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 we're Tigers. I think of Rocky Three. Anybody like the Rocky movies? You know, Rocky gets beat in the third one, but then he's got to get the eye of the tiger, that fierce, ferocious eye. Uh, I am a Panther fan. You know, the Panthers, they're going to attack you. They're going to hit you in theory. You know, they're going to, you know. <laughs> or if you're a Hornets fan, they're going to get on the court and sting you in theory, right? But the Hurricanes, now the Hurricanes, they're going to come out there and they're going to play some hockey. I mean, they, out of all the teams in the state, let's go Hurricanes, because they're about the only team worth watching in the state right now, right? Professional to speaking, that is. You know, the Hurricanes, they're ferocious, they're fierce, they're going to cause devastation on the ice. Now, we like nicknames. We like to be called, you know, you're, you're a tiger and you're tough. Do you know what the Bible calls us? Sheep. We're sheep. Now, that didn't really hit like it should have. Everybody in this room is a sheep. And you're thinking, oh, well, they're just cuddly and cute. They're stupid. Okay, (laughs) you need to understand that about a sheep. I'm sorry, that's a bad word, DJ. (laughs) We don't say that word in my house. Uh, A guy who spends a lot of time with sheep, he wrote this describing sheep. He says they're foolish, slow to learn, stubborn. Is Paul here? The tullers are here. Does this sound like y'all sheep? Foolish, stubborn, slow to learn? (laughs) <laughs> well, I could chase a rabbit. I'm not going to chase a rabbit. Yeah, slow. They're restless. Sheep are restless. They're straying. Uh, there's a book on discipleship that I've read. Uh, the author describes a, a, a herd of sheep uh, that were, nobody was leading them. It was just a herd of sheep. And one sheep saw a creek at the bottom of a cliff. So the one sheep, thirsty, walks off the cliff. He doesn't make it. But all the other sheep do the same thing. 
they just fought one after another. And you, know, you got the guy at the end, he goes, there's all my friends, they're not moving. And he walks off. That's a sheep. That's a sheep without a shepherd, not to protect them. Humanity is described, we are described in the Bible pretty much throughout the whole thing as sheep because, now I know this is hard for some of us to hear, we don't like to be called sheep, we're tigers, right? We're hurricanes, we're panthers, ah, no, we're sheep because we are foolish, slow to learn, restless, and we stray when we don't have a shepherd. Now that's hard to hear, I get it, I don't like being called a sheep either. But all of humanity is a sheep. And if you look at, take an honest look at humanity in our individual lives, you're like, yeah, I get it. You know, I've been foolish. I get restless. I stray from what I'm supposed to be doing. And I need direction. We need a shepherd. And in John chapter 10, Jesus is going to call himself the good shepherd, the true shepherd, the beautiful shepherd. But I want you to remember the context uh, chapter 10, really, y'all know that chapter and verses were added later. You know, the original readers didn't have chapter 10, verse 1. This is a thematic continuation of what has just ended in chapter 9. Now, the chronological time frame of the story, it, there could be some weeks or some gaps, but thematically, it flows right out of chapter 9 into chapter 10. At the end of chapter 9, or to summarize chapter 9, Jesus heals a blind man. He had been blind from birth. Jesus shows him the light of the world and heals him of a lifetime of blindness and brings him out of the darkness. But he does it on the Sabbath. Ooh, that's bad. He healed on the holy day. And the religious leaders, the shepherds of Israel, they are hot. They are so mad that if you read the story, the man who was healed shows up to participate or he, he shows up with the, or the ability to participate in worship. He'd not been able to do that before because of his blindness. He shows up to be a part of the, the, the worship gathering, the people of Israel, and they kick him out. The people who are supposed to shepherd him and care for him, the people who should have been helping him while he was blind, kick him out of the temple because he was healed on the Sabbath and he thinks Jesus is the Messiah. Remember the guy says, I don't know anything about what you're talking about. I just know that I was blind and now I see. And they're like, get out. You're not welcome here. That's the context. You know, these people, these religious leaders, instead of caring for the people, they are brutalizing the people. Uh, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is going through these, this is in John, uh, around John chapter 9, Jesus has been healing, he's been teaching, he stands up, he looks over the people and he looks at his disciples, he says, they're sheep without shepherds. Nobody is caring for these people. The religious leaders are brutalizing the people. Instead of helping, they're hurting. Instead of leading them, they're driving them away. Instead of feeding them, they feed themselves. That's the context. And so when Jesus looks at the shepherds of Israel, he's like, they're no good. They're no good. He calls them thieves and robbers in the story we're going to look at today. So look at verse 10, verse 1, chapter 10. Right flowing right out of this, the, Jesus finds this guy, and he's now going to tell everybody, like, those, those shepherds are no good. I'm the good one. So here's what he says. Verses 1 through uh, 7, 1 through 6 is where we'll start. He says, truly, I tell anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate 
but climbs in some other way, that's a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him. The sheep, and this is important, the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. And Jesus gave them this figure of speech, but, he did not, but they did not understand what he was telling them. In these first six verses, we see that Jesus knows his sheep and his sheep know him. The shepherd knows the sheep and the sheep know the shepherd. For the context of John's readers, they would have understood this immediately because a shepherd leading sheep and being uh, surrounded by sheep, that's a natural part of that culture. It's a natural part of the Middle Eastern culture. For us today, it's a little bit harder to grasp the illustration because when's the last time you saw a herd of sheep walking down Main Street, right? Uh, in fact, I could not remember. I've been thinking all week. The one time I experienced this, kind of, was either in Ecuador, Honduras, maybe Romania. I could not remember the country. But we're sitting there uh, out. We, we were done working. We were out on the street just goofing off. And here comes a herd of goats. Sure enough, here's the shepherd with his little staff with a herd of goats. Uh, now, he's behind them, driving them, and he comes up to us. He goes, you need supper tonight. He was trying to sell his goats, you know, goat meat, or you, know, or you need milk. So that's the only context that I have. But even he, driving them from behind, is not the picture that's here in the Bible. It's not Middle Eastern shepherding or, or, or Eastern uh, shepherding, but the readers would have understood exactly what Jesus was talking about. In the city, or in these villages, uh, oftentimes between houses, between buildings, uh, was the sheep pen. Uh, it could have been surrounded by houses. And when the shepherds brought their sheep back into the town or village, they led them into the pen. Okay? Now, multiple families had multiple sheep stored in the same Pen. Now, this is in the village. And so oftentimes the shepherds would get together and they would pay a gatekeeper to kind of watch over them at night. Okay, So that's the picture I want you to get. The shepherd has led all these different sheep into the sheep pen, surrounded by houses. There's a gatekeeper and the, you know, the night comes and the, you know, no religious leaders are going to be sneaking in the back door to steal, kill, destroy, or brutalize. Only the true shepherd is known by the gatekeeper and the sheep. That's just important to understand. But the key to these verses is the relationship that you see. The next morning when the shepherd shows up, don't miss this, many, many herds in the same pen. And a shepherd can show up, known by the gatekeeper, and he can stand there and he can call his sheep and his Sheep know who is calling. They know his voice. Four or five different herds and this shepherd saying, hey, Long Nose, that's how they named him based on characteristics. Long Nose, come on over. Fluffy, come on over. Dopey, come on over. You know, Foolish, come on over. Grumpy, come on over. And, and, and the sheep know exactly who they're talking about. And the sheep hear his voice and they follow. It's like this. 
a mother, this is, this is the best illustration, I have several illustrations, but a mother in a crowded room with lots of people, lots of children can hear a cry and they know instantly it's their child crying. Whereas fathers, well, we're not going to pick on the dads, right? But a mother can hear that. And as soon as it starts, you're like, that's my kid. I'm going to get my kid. Jesus knows the sheep. The sheep know the voice of the shepherd. And so, you know, long nose, here he comes running up there. Maybe you've got a dog. I've got a dog. He's a crazy dog. My dog's a Christian dog because he knows my voice. You know, when he hears the voice of me, his master, he'll come running and we can play and he can listen. But I've had non-Christian dogs before (laughs) where they can hear the voice of the owner and they're going the opposite direction. That's a non-Christian, okay? But the sheep hears the master's voice and they know it and they follow it. So scruffy and long-nosed and fluffy and dopey and foolish, they know the shepherd's voice. How? They've spent time with them. The shepherd spends time with his sheep. He plays with them. He rubs them. Uh, he gets to know them in a very, he knows everything about them. They walk up and have a scratch on their leg. He sees it. And so this, 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 this time spent together between the shepherd and the sheep develops a strong relationship. And so my question is, are you spending time with your shepherd? Do you know him so intimately that you hear his voice? Because listen, there are strangers who are trying to lure us away. The world is trying to fill our hearts and our minds with ungodly things. The thieves, the robbers, they're sneaking in and they're trying to pull us away from our true shepherd. But a, a true sheep, a sheep who has remained in Jesus, a sheep who has abided and made his home in Jesus and in the word of God, he is not going to listen to all the noise on the outside. He's going to stay committed to the shepherd. So have you spent time with the shepherd? Have you spent time building a relationship because that's the the desire of Jesus' heart. And just the encouragement is this, is even when we fail, even when we mess up, even when, we, when we maybe we don't spend the time that we should, Jesus still knows us. I want you to hear this, that Jesus knows everything about you. He knows your past. He knows your past struggles. He knows your past sins. If you think you hid them from him, you didn't. He knows our failures. He knows when we get restless and when we stray. He knows when we've messed up. He knows what hurts our heart. He knows about the present situation that we haven't told anybody about. He knows our unrealized longings, the longings of our heart, the prayers of our heart, these unrealized expectations that we keep praying about and praying about and there are times where, you know, I've been there, you've been there. We're like, God, why are you not answering? And I can't answer that question for you. All I can tell you is he knows your heart. He knows what you're struggling with. And he desires to be with you and to care for you and to hold you and lead you into green pastures. And he knows your name. He knows your name. The last little part of this verse, you see that in verse 4, he brings out his own sheep and they follow him. He goes before them. 
You know, in today's culture and context, we think about a rancher. A rancher drives his cattle. And you can think about a, you know, riding horses and having dogs. And even today in our Western culture, dogs will drive sheep to where he wants them to go. But a shepherd never drives the sheep. A shepherd in the Middle East, he never takes a whip and forces the sheep. He's out in front leading them to where they need to go. Very gently, very sympathetically, very humbly, the shepherd leads the sheep. It's kind of like uh, if you watch TV Land, one of my favorite Andy Griffith episodes were on a couple days ago, The Loaded Goat. <laughs> All right, Barney and his French harp. Yeah, the goat followed Barney. They tried to pull the goat. You remember Otis, you know, he, tried to, you know, he tried to drive the goat. That didn't work too well. The goat got mad. But with the French harp, Barney goes before the goat and leads the goat. That's the picture of the shepherd who knows his sheep and cares for his sheep. The second thing that we see as we continue looking at verse 7 is that Jesus, as the good shepherd, provides and protects for his sheep. Verse 7, Jesus again said to them, Truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sh- and the sheep don't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find green pastures. A thief, these religious leaders, they come only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come so that you may have life and have it in abundance. This will be the third I am statement out of the seven in, gospel, in John's gospel. I am the gate. For the sheep, I am the good shepherd is officially the fourth. But what I, I don't want you to miss something. Even though it looks like he's changed the metaphor from shepherd to gate, he's still talking about the shepherd. And here's why. You know, the shepherd, you know, again, the first part, they're in a town, sheepfold. Shepherd calls out his sheep, leads them to the green pastures, provides for them the green grass, the best water, the best food. But in the temperate months, the shepherds would often keep their sheep out of town. And so what happens, and again, this is just extending the metaphor and explaining it a little bit. Jesus is saying, so the shepherds leave the town, leave these pens, but at night, they still have to protect them because sheep are vulnerable to many attacks. So the shepherds would find a cave, and they would herd all the sheep into a cave, and here's what the shepherd would do. He would lay his body down at the door of the cave. Nothing went in that cave or out of that cave unless it went through the shepherd. And so even though he says, I am the gate, he's like, well, I am the shepherd who acts as a gate that protects his people. If a wolf wanted to get into that cave, they're going to have to do it over the shepherd's dead body because nothing is going to harm his sheep. Nothing is going to stop him from caring for his sheep. Jesus says, listen, I'm going to protect you from everything that will destroy you. All these things, when Jesus leads us away from something that we want to do, maybe it's because Jesus knows that's going to destroy us. Maybe that, that, that area of our life that looks like green grass and green pastures and really tall, maybe there's a wolf hidden behind that. Maybe there's a, a crouching tiger 
ready to pounce on us. And the shepherd's like, no, 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 I'm going to protect you from that. You come with me. You come follow me. I'm going to lay my life down for you so you are safe. But there's a really important application that you've got to see. While he does protect us, the only way in to the sheepfold is through Jesus. And, and listen, that is a foundational, theological, doctrinally important thing for us to know. The only way to become a Christian, to become one of Jesus' sheep, is through Jesus himself. That's it. Good works, while they are good and we should strive to do them, those good works will not get us into the sheepfold. Only through faith in Jesus, only through the sacrifice of our Savior can we be saved and safe. We'll talk about later that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one comes to the Father except through me. We can strive, and listen, we have this whole culture now where people are, believe that everybody and their brother's gonna go to heaven no matter how they live their life, no matter if they believe in Jesus, don't believe in Jesus, everybody's gonna go to heaven, everybody's gonna get in. That's just, that's just not true. The only way is through Jesus. And Jesus says, I will give you abundant life. And it doesn't mean an abundance of things. He doesn't say, I'm going to give you an abundance of money. I'm not going to give you a, it doesn't mean I'm going to give you an abundance of cars. I'm not going to give you a, an abundance of beach houses. I may not even give you an abundance of friends. Sometimes being a Christian is pretty lonely. Although it shouldn't be because we should, you know, Christians should be together and encouraging each other and building each other up. But what Jesus says with this abundant life is I'm going to provide you abundant joy, abundant peace, abundant security, abundant provision, abundant direction. That's the abundant life that he's talking about. So Jesus is the good shepherd, knows his sheep, provides, protects for them. But in order for us to have an abundant life, he has to abandon his life. In order for us to have an abundant life, he has to abandon our, his life. Let me make sure I say that right. For us to have an abundant life, he has to abandon his life. Look at verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd, does not own the sheep. And he leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and, and, and scatters the sheep. This happens because he is a hired hand and does not care about the sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, my own know me. And just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. But I have other sheep that are not from this sheep pen. And I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice then there will be one flock and one shepherd. And this is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down. I have the right to take it up again. And I have received this command from my Father. The good shepherd says very clearly, the reason I'm here is to die. 
The reason I'm here is to die for the sins of the world. The reason I'm here is to die for you so you can have an abundant life. I will abandon and lay down my life. That is the heart of Jesus. That is the heart of our Savior. That's how much he loves us. I would die for my children. And Jesus died for his children. He laid down his life. And church, I want us to understand a very important application from the second part of this. Verse 16, it says, I have other sheep that are not from this sheep pen. Jesus talking to the Jews primarily says, there's a whole group of Gentiles. I came to die for them too. I came to die for them. Listen, I want you to know Jesus died for more than just Americans. Jesus died for more than just white people. Jesus died for all people. He, Jesus died for the tattooed people. Jesus died for the, the alcoholics. Jesus died for you know, you know, the adulterers. Jesus died for the liars. Jesus died for the people in Africa, Asia, North America, South America, Central America, Australia, Europe. He died for every single person, not just for a select group. He laid down his life for everybody. And as a church and as a people, we've got to be telling everybody about that. Jesus died for you. Jesus loves you. You Listen, you're a sheep no matter what, but you're just a sheep out there outside the fold. Jesus wants to bring you in because he laid down his life for every single person. That is our mission as a church that we would tell people about the good shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. He loves us, he knows us, he cares for us, he provides for us, he protects us, he lays down his life for us. Now, I, I, I can't not tell you where this is coming from in the Old Testament. Jesus, in front of all these religious leaders, in front of these uh, people, in front of the people he's talking to, he drops a really big truth bomb. And for very educated, highly educated Pharisees, Sadducees, all these religious leaders, they know exactly what Jesus is referring to. So I want you to listen to this. I'm going to read a good chunk of this out of Ezekiel 34. If you want to turn there, you can. In fact, I encourage you to read all of the chapter. I'm just going to read some portions of it, some big portions. But here's what the Lord says in Ezekiel 34. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man. Prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. So God's telling the prophet, here's what you need to say against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the Lord God says to the shepherds. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who have been feeding themselves. Shouldn't the shepherds feed their flock? You eat the fat, wear the wool, butcher the fatted animals, but you do not tend the flock. You have not strengthened the weak, healed the sick, bandaged the injured, brought back the strays, or sought the lost. You see the connection so far? Instead, you have ruled them with violence and cruelty. They were scattered for a lack of a shepherd. They became food for all the wild animals when they were scattered. 
says, my flock, God's flock went astray in all the mountains and every high hill. My flock was scattered over the whole face of the earth and there was no one searching or seeking for them. These are people who are lost in the religious elites, the, the politicians of Israel had abandoned them and forgotten them. Now if you skip on down to verse 11, for this is what the Lord God says. See, I myself search for my flock and look for them. As a shepherd looks for his sheep on one day, he, uh, he is among his scattered flock, so I will look for my flock. I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered. On a day of clouds and total darkness, I will bring them out uh, from the peoples. I will gather them from the countries and bring them to their own soil. I will shepherd them on the mountains of Israel and in the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the land. I will tend them in good pastures, uh, pastures and their grazing place will be on Israel's lofty mountains. There they will lie down in a good grazing place. They will feed in rich pastures on the mountains of Israel. I will tend my flock and let them lie down. This is the declaration of the Lord God. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strays and bandage the injured and strengthen the weak. And I will destroy the fat and the strong. He says, I will shepherd them with justice. So when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, what Jesus says is, I am the fulfillment of Ezekiel 34 verses 11 to 16. The Father sent me to gather the sheep, to save the sheep, to feed the sheep, and I am here. I am here for the weak. I am here for the strays. I am here for the restless. I am here for the foolish. I am here for the stubborn. Jesus says, I am here. The only question we have to answer is, do we follow him? Will we follow his voice? Or will we stay scattered? Today, Jesus is calling the lost sheep to come back to the fold or to come into the fold. For Christians who have wandered away, who have strayed down a path that's led to a bad place, he's saying, I still love you, come home. He's still calling your name to come home. For a sheep who's been straying your whole life and you've never ever come home, Jesus says, today is the day for you to come in. And I will welcome you. I will love you. I will forgive you. Just follow me. That's the gospel. That scattered sheep decide to follow the good shepherd. So what decision will you make today? What decision is the Lord leading you to make today? Is it to be baptized? Is it to be saved? Is it to join this church? I'll stand down front as we sing our closing song, and if you feel led to, to join the church or to come and be, uh, to announce your desire to be baptized, or if you want to make the decision to follow him, today will be the day that God says, come home, come home. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for being the good shepherd of Israel, for being our good shepherd, a shepherd who loves us, who cares for us, a shepherd who deeply desires to save us and rescue, rescue us, a shepherd who laid down his life for us on a cross.
who took our place, took our punishment. So Father, help us to follow the good shepherd. Help us to know that you will never lead us into bad places, but you will lead us into the green pastures. Even when we walk through hard valleys and the valleys of the shadow of death, you are with us, leading us and guiding us if we just follow you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.